episode of Howling Talent of 2024. I'm Anna Roy. And I'm Yvonne Dagger. Let's get howling. From a very early age, Emma Schwartz's guiding purpose in life was to make the world a more beautiful place. This intention has taken her on a long evolution from classical musician to teacher to vegan and ultimately to an activist, author and filmmaker. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you. Before we get started, I would like to remind our viewers that your film, Dairy Disclosed, is being screened in collaboration with Sofa Film Festival via our website, howlingtalent.com. It's a free screening, so please take 25 minutes and watch this eye-opening and compelling film. So Emma, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? And when did you start playing the cello? Yes. So um, I am from Boise, Idaho, um, which is in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And um, I actually began my musical journey um, at the age of seven on piano. And then um, I switched to cello about two years later. And um, cello was a huge part of my childhood growing up, spending hours a day uh, practicing the cello. And um, I loved it so much um, because it was a way to connect with other people. Um, music, playing music with other people is a really wonderful experience because you're creating together in the moment and playing off of each other and reacting to each other. It's a very, um, it, it brings people together. It's a very, um, wonderful activity for that. So I felt really drawn to that connection with other people. And so that's why I decided to pursue it as, um, you know, my degrees in college and, um, you know, my career shortly after college, because I really just loved that connection with others. And I thought that that was a really wonderful um, uh, energy to put out in the world. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I had uh, a very short stint of playing the cello. Unfortunately, my fingers are double jointed, so I couldn't handle the strings. <laughs> so I ended up playing the uh, clarinet. <laughs> oh, I love the clarinet. One of my favorite instruments. <laughs> and my, my granddaughter is a concert cellist <gasps> here in New York, and she's in her second year in college, and she wants to be a music teacher. And she loves, she absolutely loves her cello. She loves it. Just like you, you remind me of her in a way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, uh, I think music is a really wonderful way to, to connect with other people, but also learn about yourself because uh, as I'm sure your daughter can attest, like it's a really challenging thing to learn a, a musical instrument at a high level. So sitting, you know, alone in a practice room, teaching yourself how to do these hard skills, like really builds a lot of character and, and discipline. And my transition into being a teacher was all about that. Um, because I realized as, you know, I was a professional musician, I had graduated, um, from my undergrad with, with my um, bachelor's of music and cello performance, I realized that although playing music is wonderful and connecting with other people is wonderful, I wasn't really having the impact on the world that I wanted to. Um, just in today's modern world, um, just playing a classical music instrument um, is not 
you know, changing lives in any big way, at least, you know, what, where, where I was. And so I decided um, that I wanted to become a music teacher because I knew that, um, you know, learning a musical instrument cultivates really wonderful character traits. And I wanted to help, you know, the younger generation develop those character traits of um, resilience and uh, taking criticism and delayed gratification. And I thought that that would be a really wonderful way to use my musical abilities to make the world a more beautiful place. So um, I got my uh, graduate degree in Suzuki pedagogy, which is basically how to teach the cello. And um, I became a music teacher. I had three faculty positions um, in and around kind of the Boulder and Denver area. And then I also had a private studio. And that was an incredible experience. I loved being a music teacher and cultivating those relationships with young kids and watching them grow and, um, you know, become not only better at the cello, but just more beautiful human beings. The the growth that I saw in their character was incredibly fulfilling. So I loved being a music teacher um, because I really felt like I was making a difference. And um, that was that was a wonderful career. But also during that time, I had been vegan for quite a while. And um, I became more and more involved in um, animal protection and environmental protection. And that became really important to me. And the more I was a music teacher, I realized um, that although I was I was making an impact and had a very fulfilling career, that wasn't impacting the specific things that had become most important to me, which were animal and environmental protection. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started feeling like, oh, maybe music isn't something I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, I may want to transition out of this. And then very fortunately, one of my cello um, students, their family owned an animal sanctuary, a farmed animal sanctuary, like very near to where we lived. And so I, you know, we just got to talking and spending more time with them. My partner, John, um, who was a videographer, had um, already started working at the sanctuary, making videos for them. So it kind of just felt like this very natural progression. And they ended up offering me a job as director of advancement at the animal sanctuary. And so I was presenting, presented with this opportunity to kind of like seamlessly transition into (laughs) um, the animal and environmental protection realm. So um, I was incredibly fortunate to receive that that offer. And, um, you know, I, I finished out the semester with my teaching responsibilities and then began working at the animal sanctuary. Yeah, beautiful. Wow. Was that the, uh, Leuven arms animal sanctuary? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. uh, that was love and arms. And, um, it was also a wonder, it was a, a wonderful job position because as director of advancement, I was in charge of the education and mm-hmm. development, um, departments of the sanctuary. And my partner, John was the videographer, which was kind of under the education, uh, education department because, right. um, the executive director, uh, who was, had incredible vision for the sanctuary realized that, you know, it's great when people get to physically visit the sanctuary and meet the residents and connect with them and hear their stories. But not everyone can physically visit an animal sanctuary. We're limiting ourselves to a very small amount of people, but we can reach so many more people through films and videos and the internet. And so she had this vision for the, the education department as producing films like Dairy Disclosed um, to reach, you know, 
many, many more people than who could ever physically visit the sanctuary. And so John and I started working on films together. And that's where we found our true passion of, mm -hmm. of creating films and creating content and, and telling the stories in a, in a way that incorporates music, incorporates visuals and incorporates stories. And so yeah. we made a couple of films throughout that year. And then um, after about a year of working there, um, we made the very hard decision to leave the sanctuary um, and pursue filmmaking and content creation full time. And we right. very much miss, miss the animals and miss the sanctuary, but we feel like this is the best way that we can make an impact. Wow. That's wonderful. It certainly so, is. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a story, how beautiful that is and how, what a progression, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. that, that you took, but how long have you been vegan and what prompted you to become vegan? I mean, you just mentioned that getting involved in with one of your students, you know, your students and their family and, and all of that, but how long have you been a vegan? Yeah. So, um, I've been vegan for six and a half years and, um, I actually became vegan during college. So it was, you know, well before mm -hmm. I even, you know, was in the professional world. Um, I originally became vegan for health reasons, um, because I saw some documentaries, um, that talked about the health benefits of a whole food plant-based diet. And that was kind of something that I was looking for in my life at that point. And, um, I actually went, uh, vegan, like completely cold tofu, as I like to say, like, wow. overnight. <laughs> um, and I immediately felt the difference and felt so much better in, in my body, like physically and mentally. Um, I even, I had had like lifelong acne since the time I was eight years old. And then within a couple of weeks of going vegan, it just like completely disappeared. And my skin has been like very clear ever since. So stuff like that, where I just had these problems, my whole life just immediately disappeared, um, felt, felt really great, uh, mm -hmm. for me. So I originally went, went vegan for health, but after I, or I guess plant-based for health, but after I'd been plant-based for, um, maybe two years, um, so quite a while, I started learning about, um, the animal agriculture industries and how animals are treated and the effect on the environment and like really did a deep dive and like went down the rabbit hole with, you know, those two topics and became after that, after learning all of, all of that, I became an ethical and environmental vegan as well. Um, so the, the ethics and environment came later for me, health was first, but now I am equally motivated by all of them. And I, I really think they're all kind of connected because mm -hmm. veganism is all about, um, a rejection of violence. Right. And so mm -hmm. when you're, uh, for personal health, it's a rejection of violence against your own body for animals. It's a rejection of violence against them. And for the environments, it's a rejection of violence against the planet. So I really think it's, it's all one idea with just different manifestations. Yeah, sure. Sure. You completed your graduate certificates in humane education and plant-based nutrition through the Institute of Humane Education and Cornell University. Can you tell us something, a little something about those courses that you took? Yeah, so um, those are wonderful certifications that really help. Um, they they give you the the knowledge um, of the information that needs to be communicated. Um, Cornell, uh, the the uh, plant based certificate from Cornell um, in particular, does a really great job of um, providing all the health information that 
um, we need to know to um, make informed decisions. And then the Certificate in Humane Education um, from the Institute or the Solutionary Microdental Program from the Institute of Humane Education really teaches you how to communicate that. That um, certificate in particular is for educators to teach educators how to bring um, all of this ethical, environmental and health knowledge into the classroom to um, impart that that knowledge um, to their students. So -hmm. that has really informed how we craft our films and our content because ultimately we're artists, but our our ultimate goal is we wanna be educators. We wanna educate people on these issues. We wanna tell people about animal stories. We we really want to provide information in a way that inspires and empowers people to take action in their own lives. So having a background in pedagogy and education and having those skills to break down information into um, teachable uh, parts that are impactful for people is really, really important to what we do in our filmmaking and content creation. Wow. That is unbelievable. Um, You you said you sort of went to cold tofu when you became vegan. Uh, There must be people who listen to us and are maybe considering becoming vegan or in the process of that journey of becoming vegan. What was the hardest thing about becoming vegan? Hmm. And how can how can somebody get past that? Sure, that's a great question. Um, I think that there are many different ways um, to take steps towards a vegan lifestyle and all of them are positive. Um, Everyone is on their own journey. And so what worked for me may not work for someone else, but I think it's important to to say that every step um, towards you know, more compassionate or sustainable lifestyle is a positive thing. So just because you feel like you can't do all of it doesn't mean you can't do anything. Just we can all start with small steps and every one of those steps is is positive and is a good thing. Um, I will say that I think going cold tofu is actually sometimes easier than taking Um, small steps because, and I learned this from my plant-based certificate, um, uh, my certificate in um, plant-based, plant-based nutrition, um, the bacteria in our gut are determined by the food that we eat and the bacteria in our gut determine our cravings. So if we eat meat all the time, we have the meat eating bacteria in our gut and they crave meat and same thing with cheese and eggs and, you know, all that stuff. So if you stop cold tofu, like stop, um, you know, if you um, don't eat animal products, cold tofu, that bacteria in your gut actually dies off. And then it's replaced with bacteria that eat what you're, what you're eating currently. Right. Yes, exactly. So Mm -hmm. within two to three weeks, the bacteria in your gut has completely transformed and now your cravings completely disappear. And I think that's a much easier thing than maybe, um, stop, uh, uh, eliminating red meat and then chicken and then fish, because you still have kind of the meat eating bacteria in your gut. So you still have those cravings. So it's harder to kind of do it step-by-step because you're feeling these cravings. So if you're, if someone out there is inclined to be like, Hey, I'll give it a try. I might suggest going cold tofu just because physiologically it's a little bit easier, but if, you know, for various reasons, um, 
you, you need to take small steps. That's great too. Any step is a positive step. How did you find your body reacted to suddenly changing completely? I mean, how did you feel physically in those first one or two weeks when the, your body was going through such a, well, quite a change. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, quite, it's quite a violent change for the body to go through. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, it was quite a while ago. I don't remember like, a, I don't remember it being hard. Um, that's that's what I'll say. Like, and and you're in, when you're making that transition, everything is new and exciting. So you're like, oh, let me try this. And I'll add like flaxseed to this and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's a very exciting time. So (laughs) although your gut microbiome is adjusting, I feel like kind of the mental excitement may kind of overpowers that. So you get over that two to three week hump, like pretty quickly. Um, so I don't remember it being that hard to be honest. Okay, well, that's, that's great for anybody considering doing this. So, and it's, uh, it's very important that people get to hear about experiences and particularly positive experiences, because that encourages them to, to get, you know, to follow in your footsteps, give it a try if they can't do it. all yeah, in one day. Yeah. So yeah, as I, I also, say, even I baby steps feel, are baby steps. Right. It's a lot easier today because there's many more products out there. Of course that we can, you know, and, and it's, it's accepted, Mm -hmm. um, you know, widely now. Um, So you go to a supermarket and there's, there's, it's not just one little tiny section, you know, anymore. It's there's, there's sections all over the stores, you know, and um, I'm a firm believer in whole foods anyway. And, you know, like just, just picking an apple and eating it, you know, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. there's so much nutrition in in just a whole food, you know, but yeah, you're totally right, Yvonne, like even in Boise, Idaho, which, you know, we live uh, here in Boise, Idaho now, which is the country. It is like not New York city by any means. There are (laughs) vegan options everywhere. Like this, the steakhouse in Boise has a curated vegan menu for vegans at the steakhouse in Idaho. Like it's like you said, it's totally accepted. It's very easy nowadays. Yeah. It's not hard at all. Um, years ago, you know, if I became a vegan, it, it would be very difficult. It would be a very big transition. And I think society wouldn't have wouldn't have accepted it as readily as they do today. You know, mm-hmm. it's respected today. Um, if you go to an event, there's a vegan um, option oh, sure. to choose. Um, it's really nice. And I think it's it's really it's a wonderful thing. It really is. Um, so uh you know, it's one of those things. Now, um, Mike, um, the vegan, who mm-hmm. you, you say is your partner, um, he's a vegan science writer who covers a variety of fascinating topics and has a large following on his YouTube channel, we've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you meet and start collaborating with him for Dairy Disclosed? Yeah, so... um yeah, Mike, the vegan is a YouTuber, like you said. And actually, I started watching his videos like when I first went vegan. So I just found him on YouTube and watched like literally every video he had I because I was so interested in the science and health. And so I was like a big fan of Mike the <laughs> vegan for years. 
And then my partner, John, who is, um, was the videographer and we actually, he's a musician too. We actually met in music school and together. It's a whole thing. Anyway, when he, when I inspired my partner, John to go vegan, he got really into Mike the vegan as well and watched all his YouTube videos. So we were like the two biggest fans of Mike the vegan ever. (laughs) (laughs) And then when we were at the sanctuary, working at the sanctuary, we did, we were thinking about, okay, we want to do a film about the dairy industry and kind of go through um, the experience of each animal in the dairy industry. So the mama cows, the baby girl cows, the baby boy cows, we wanted to kind of um, individualize the experiences of the animals in the dairy industry and also pair it with health science and environmental science and also rescue stories to give some hope of like, here are individuals who escaped to the dairy industry and now live a great life. And this is hope for a better future. So we knew we kind of had this concept in our mind. And then we, we wanted to be able to get this film out to a bigger audience than the sanctuary had, because we had made a couple films with at the sanctuary before, and they have a pretty good following, but certainly not as big as Mike the Vegan. And we were such huge fans of him and, you know, knew that this was right up his alley. And so we kind of just like cold reached out to him. I just emailed him and said, hey, we're doing this project. We'd love for you to be involved, for you to kind of be the narrator. Like, let me know if you're interested. And it turns out that he actually has, his partner um, has family in Colorado where the sanctuary was and where we were living. And so he was like, yeah, we're heading out there anyway to visit family. Like I can just stop by. And it was the most serendipitous thing ever. (laughs) And so he came for a couple days and filmed at the sanctuary with us. And we got to meet our hero, which was Mm -hmm. like so amazing. And um, yeah, it just kind of went from there. We um, recently spent time with him in LA and um, a couple months ago because Dairy Disclosed was premiering at a festival there. And so he came over for the premiere. Um, and so Dairy Disclosed is the only project that we've collaborated on with him um, just because I think we're both so busy, but we'd love to do another film with him as well because he's such a wonderful person and um, beautiful speaker and beautiful person. So he's really great. That's that's a wonderful, wonderful story. And and isn't it funny how things do happen serendipitously, but that you you thought that this was like way out there, that you could never, ever, ever meet him. And here you are, you know, he was so accessible and and so willing to be able to um, help you guys out. And uh, and I I, I saw the, the film and it is it is beautiful. And he oh. does a great, great job narrating. Great mm-hmm. job. I mean, it, it's very compelling, very compelling. But can you tell us something about other films that you've created and um, what animal, if any, has made the biggest impact on your life? Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, the, all of the films, kind of the, the longer, you know, 20 plus minute, um, short films that we've made have all been telling, uh, the stories of animals and kind of their, their rescue stories, but also where they came from. So we feel it's very important for people to understand the the animal agriculture industry and what goes on there. But we also feel it's very important to pair that with hope. Because when you just talk about doom and gloom the entire time, that's very overwhelming. Um, Even for me, like if I start thinking about that, I start feeling hopeless and like, 
you know, there's nothing we can do. Right. And so we, we want to educate about the animal agriculture industry, but we always do it through the lens of an individual story. So we start where they came from, from the animal agriculture industry, because that is the story of, you know, billions of individuals. But then we follow that thread through their rescue story to where they're now living at an animal sanctuary. And we want to detail their relationships with, you know, the other animals, with the other people, so that we can um, present this whole picture of an individual of, you know, this is Lucky the cow and his story is the story of billions of others. And he's also an an intelligent, sentient individual, just like all those other cows. So um, we feel it's really important in all of our films to um, tell it through the lens of individual stories to provide hope for a better future. That's what makes the films clever. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That really is. And I I think that um, probably Lucky's story, Lucky the Cow, which I believe is in the festival. um, Yes. uh, We can rescreen that at any time. So. Wonderful. Um, I I really love his story. That's actually the first film that we made. So, um, you know, it's it's at the beginning of our journey, but I think his story is so beautiful that... um, Mm -hmm. He was born, um, his mother actually died giving birth to him because she was attacked by wolves. And so the the ranchers were able to pull him out of, of her as she was dying, Aww. unfortunately. Um, and at that time, he was the only cow on their property. So he actually had never met another cow. He had never seen someone of his same species, even his own mother. He didn't get to meet his own mother. And it was two years before he was able to meet another cow when he was rescued and brought to Love and Arms Animal Sanctuary. And we were there, we got to see him meet other cows for oh. the first time. And it was just the most magical experience. It, it, I mean, imagine meeting a human for the first time and you're kind of like an adult, you know, it, yeah. it, that would be a wild experience. And so I think that was, that's probably my favorite story that we've done so far. And we're very lucky that we got to witness those those moments in Lucky's oh. life and document it. What did he do? Oh, he remember ran him? around. He jumped like crazy. Like I, I think cows are seen as like these huge, like stationary yeah. things. People mm-hmm. just think they stand around. Oh my gosh. Cows <laughs> so fast, so fast. And they can <laughs> jump and do crazy stuff. And that is what he did. He was running around. He was jumping. He was like bucking his, his head and his, um, his butt, like going crazy. And then I think this is in the film too. One of the other cows who lived at the sanctuary, um, who had obviously met other cows before, but he, he's a very social cow. His name is Tito. The first time he saw Lucky, they were, they had a fence in between them because they wanted to make sure everyone was safe. So it's like, he's meeting cows, but over the fence, Tito decides that he is so excited to see his new friend Lucky that he tries to jump the fence and like breaks the fence down. Like this 2000 pound cow is like trying to get over a wooden fence and like, (laughs) and it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, they're just like dogs. They're, you know, they're so excitable and so (laughs) affectionate, loving and affectionate. Very affectionate. That's such a heartwarming, um, rendition of what what happened because you want you wonder you know if he just sat stood there and looked or and to know that he was so excited (laughs) like 
<laughs> jumping out of his skin, yeah. you know, that he actually got a chance to see his own species for the first time in his life was th that's a remarkable story. Wow. I'm gonna cry. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I, I like tear up when I think about lucky, honestly, yeah. his story. Yeah. Wow. His name moving. really is fitting. Yeah. <laughs> he yes. is really fitting. Very lucky. <laughs> so, so th yeah. this, you know, this brings us Emma to, um, to uh, Yvonne, just uh, one second. Can I just uh, say one thing? Of course. Um, the your company is called the uh, veganography which i think is an absolutely wonderful name um i just wanted to ask you very quickly when you start researching some of these films like dairy disclosed um there's you're dealing with some pretty horrific situations mm -hmm. i mean we know that by the way dairy disclosed does have a positive ending so if anybody's worried about watching it don't be um, how do you emotionally prepare for dealing with what you're seeing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, how do you handle it? Yeah, Dairy mm. Disclosed in particular was really difficult because um, we did show a little bit more graphic footage than we usually do. Yeah. Um, nothing, nothing too horrible and, and anything that that was really upsetting, we blurred out. So the audience, you you don't have to worry about it. About it. No. On the editing side, we um, had to go through a lot of really, really horrific footage. Um, and it like hours of it, like sitting in front of the computer screen, just, and, and it's a weird, it is, a, it's a really weird um, experience to be an editor looking at that because you're kind of looking at like, what what do I want to show? What's yeah. what's going to be impactful for people? What's going to kind of be shocking, but not too graphic? Okay. So it's a very weird lens you have to be because you're almost like picking out like the, yeah, just the part, the parts that you want to show. It's a very weird lens um, yeah. to have. And it's really hard. Um, we, uh, <sighs> We um, know that it's necessary. And I think that what helps us kind of push through is that we're we're ha we're doing something about this. We're creating a film that will hopefully inspire and empower people yeah. to help stop this industry, right? So having that purpose mm -hmm. of um of activism is really what helps us push through because this has a purpose. This is making a difference. This is making the world a better place. If we were just sitting there watching it for no reason, it would be much, much more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so, so having that purpose of, of activism really helps us. Um, and yeah, I, I will say it's, you know, uh, as a, as a human being, it, it's horrific to watch, but of course it's nothing compared to the animals that actually what, have to live it every day. So we have to kind of acknowledge their, their experience. But, um, I think the, the purpose of activism is what helps us get through. And then, um, in terms, uh, in, uh, practicality of like coping mechanisms, um, my partner and I really love physical exercise that just helps us like kind of get the energy out. Um, John is a runner. He recently did his first marathon this year. Oh, congratulations. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. So, um, that really helps him kind of like just run out that energy. Um, I really love 
weight training and hot yoga. So that, um, definitely that exertion kind of, um, you know, can, can burn off that, the, the, that emotional duress. So having like, practical coping mechanisms like physical exercise also really helps too. Wow. I really admire you for what you do, boy. I mean, and, and, you know, it, it is very difficult. It must be extremely difficult for you to have to view all of this and to decipher what, what would be proper or what would be a kinder way to show the inhumane way of things happening. Um, that, you know, that's just, oh, wow. It's your, you're incredible, really incredible to do all of this. And, and I, you know, I mean, you keep going at it and you keep, you keep working at it because you do have a purpose. And that's the whole thing. You know, you thought your purpose was a cellist and a music teacher. And here, here you had another purpose in life, which is much more important. Um, even though the other one was so, so important to, but it's still education and you can still use your, your musical abilities to, to bring education to the world through this, you know, genre and which is really great. Um, but this brings me also us to um, the, a new and exciting project that you have um, going on right now. Um, well, you're first, you're writing a book, um, Effective Communication for Vegans to help advocates um, communicate in the most effective ways possible, which um, I think is tr tremendously helpful to people who really um have the desire and the want and the need to do this, but don't know how to communicate because they always, I know I was talking to somebody one day and and she's a vegan and, and she was explaining, you know, what she eats and all of that. And somebody came up, it was my hairdresser and she came up and, and said, um, I don't know how you could do that. You know, so it's hard to communicate in effective, an effective way and, and not get, you know, um, discouraged, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and use that positive kindness that I see in your, in your films. Um, so this, your book paired with this new six part video mini series mm -hmm. that you, um, created, um, it's called vegan FTA on, and it's going to, premiere next week. Um, um, you say that veganism is a lifestyle and that there are four stages of veganism. Um, can you elaborate on that and tell our listeners a little something about it? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so yeah, Yvonne, I think you really hit it like perfectly on that being an activist, like it, it, it's really difficult to communicate when you feel so strongly about something. And so this book um, is, yeah, the book is called Plant Powered Persuasion, Effective Communication for Vegans. And it was born out of my own experience as being an incredibly ineffective 
communicator when I initially went vegan. Um, I can't tell you how many fights and yelling and like crazy, (laughs) crazy conversations that I had because I was so bad at communicating because I cared so much that all kind of like filters just went out the door. And I was, I communicated like that for longer than I'd like to admit, but working at uh, the animal sanctuary and being in charge of education and having, even having to give tours of the sanctuary to like hundreds of people, I learned how to communicate in an effective way where you present the information, but in a package that people are willing to accept. So, um, we have to tailor our approach to the specific person that we're talking to. Not everyone cares about the same things that I care about. So when I'm trying to inspire someone to make changes, I need to talk in terms of what they care about, not about what I care about. And so that realization um, paired with um the knowledge that we have to present everything with hope and positivity and individual stories, people really connect to stories, is what started that that transformation in my own mind. And so this book, um, Plant Powered Persuasion, Effective Communication for Vegans, is um, just detailing all of the lessons that I've learned um, starting out as an ineffective communicator and then learning at the animal sanctuary how to communicate effectively about veganism and then what we've learned from content creation of how to package that that information um, into educational videos and um, in the book I detail very specific systems so it's a very practical approach it's not like um, it's not general at all. It's it's detailing do these specific steps here are specific questions to ask, stuff like that. I really want it to be a practical guide for people. So that's the book. And it's actually up for pre-order right now on Amazon. Cool. So awesome. by the time this, this premiere, it's right now. And by the time this premieres, it will still be up. So if you just search Plant Powered Persuasion on Amazon, it's there for you. And then this six-part mini-series is based on the book. So it's kind of taking some of the bigger ideas from the book and distilling it into a short six-video, six-part Mm mini-series. So the the mini-series is called Plant Powered Persuasion as well. And we've been very fortunate to be able to partner with um, Vegan FTA, who is a nonprofit um, and huge social media channel. They produced the the mini-series with us. So it will be premiering on their social media channel. Um, starting this week. So by the time this uh, podcast episode prepares, it will already be out there. It'll probably be in week four, I think. So um, the mini series is just taking material from the book and putting it into videos. And something new that we've done with this mini series is um, it's basically all 100% 3D animated. So um, my partner, John, uh, is, you know, a very talented video videographer and cinematographer, and he also has been um, cultivating his 3D animation skills. So the entire series is me. Um, We filmed me on a green screen and then we put me into a 3D animated space and we have crazy stuff going on like. I'm an astronaut in space and the earth is getting taken apart. We have someone orbiting the earth on an iPhone. Uh, We have like all this crazy stuff going on. So it's very visually stimulating because we wanted it to, we wanted it to be interesting to, um, you know, keep, keep the attention up and and be exciting. So the, the mini series is very visually stimulating um, and it's, yeah, based on the book. And then 
one of the the things that I would like to um, that we talk about in the mini series and in the book um, that I'd like people to understand is that there is so much hope for this movement. Um, it we really do not need to you know convert one hundred percent of people on this planet to veganism. There is research out of Harvard by a very prominent political scientist that shows that every single social justice movement that has been successful has only needed to mobilize 3.5% of the population. Only Mm -hmm. 3.5% of the people in the world need to be mobilized for, for the social justice movement to be successful. And, and, the research says once you mobilize 3.5%, success is inevitable. No one has ever failed when they mm-hmm. mobilized 3.5% of the population. And that, I think, gives huge hope to the vegan movement because right now we're at 1.1%. So we really only need to triple the amount of vegans in the world and then success will be inevitable which I think is a really hopeful idea um, for vegans. So there, there's a lot of work to do, but we're a lot closer than we think. Sure, sure. And that effective communication that you talk about, which reminds me of, um, of you know, like to be impeccable with your word. Yes. And and to to really be sincere about how you feel. Mm-hmm. is so important um, to get across. And mm-hmm. I think that what is what I found in watching your episodes, thank you for sharing them <laughs> with us, um, was that they are sincere. Mm-hmm. And they were fun, but mm-hmm. they they um, they did touch on subjects that are hard to, for many people to grasp, but they were done in such a kind, compassionate way that you find that there is that hope and that you want to, like, you want to, you want to join, you know, you want to, you want to say, wow, this is inspiring me. Would you ever take this to schools? You know, would you ever, because you're an educator yourself, would you ever do that and say, you know, maybe we could have the schools show this, um, you know, as a mini series for for some of the students or a club or something? Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for your kind words about that really, really means a lot that it had that impact on you. So I'm I'm really grateful to hear that. Um, I I love the idea of going into schools. You know, I've spent spent a lot of time in schools teaching and it's a wonderful place to be. I love a classroom full of kids is like the most energetic place ever. So I, I love they'd that. love this. They'd love yes. them. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's a, a wonderful idea and certainly something that that we'll explore when, you know, this this mini series is out there and and we receive feedback from people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to take this this into schools and and help in and inspire like give kids hope that, you know, they're, I think Mm -hmm. particularly for the younger generation, like including myself, um, there, there's some anxiety about like the, the environment and climate change. And, you know, what does the future look like? We, you know, it's, 
it's uncertain. And I think there can be a lot of anxiety around that for young people in particular. So I'd love to be able to give kids and young people hope that, you know, hey, we can turn this around. We can save this planet and make it habitable for humans for many generations to come. And, and it, and you can, you contribute to that, you know, your choices help, you know, determine that. And so I'd love, love to give kids that agency. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Of course. Thank you both. You and John. <laughs> yes. We mustn't forget John and all of them. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, he, he's, 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 a, he's a wonderful animator. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. a fantastic job with the, with the film. Yeah, John, John is incredible. I'm so lucky to have him as a partner. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, I mentioned that we were, you know, musicians together and met in music school. He's also a very, very talented composer. Um, so the oh, wow. theme song in the miniseries, he composed himself. Um, and and his his composing skills really come into handy in, in all of the content creation work we do because music is a very important part mm -hmm. of the effect. That, that a video has on you, that a film has on you. And he has a wonderful ability to kind of pull the, the energy of what's happening visually and express that in the score underneath. So it's kind of like this three-dimensional experience as a viewer that you're seeing something visually, you're hearing something, and then the story is like the third dimension and all of those work together to really impact the audience. So mm -hmm. John is John is a wonderful editor and, and uh, musician and composer as well. And I think that that message of hope is so important. It really is important, Definitely. you know that they need to hear that. Yeah. So how can people find you on social media and follow your work? Yes, so we'd love to connect with people. Um, our most kind of active account is Instagram. So please follow us on Instagram, um, just at veganography.films. Um, and that's our, our handle for everything. So Instagram and TikTok is vegan, veganography.films. And then on YouTube, um, we're just veganography as well. Um, and our, our website is veganography.org. Perfect. And one final question. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I think I know. <laughs> I think we know. <laughs> I think I know who you, you would be. That. Watch it. She's going to spring something on us now. <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. What a question. Um, wow. Wow. You know, I, I am really interested in what it would be like to be as big and powerful as an elephant. Wow. Elephants are so strong. They can literally flatten a tree. And I think I would love to have that um, to, I think it would be interesting to be that like big. So I make an elephant. Yeah. I would wow. Say. Great. <laughs> well, um, as some may or may not know, I'm the founder of Sofa Film Festival and we were honored to screen five of your films oh. this year. Uh, Dairy Disclosed, One in a Billion, Lucky the Rescued Cow from Solitude to Serenity, uh, Wonder Pigs and the Love Stories of Love in Arms. And I look forward to screening more of your work going forward. So thank you so much, Emma, for joining us today.
Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor to speak with you today. And thank you to the SOFA Film Festival for including our films. We are so humbled by, by that honor. So thank you both for everything that you do. Well, don't forget to watch Dairy Disclosed on HowlingTalent.com. And thank you all for tuning in for another inspiring episode of Howling Talent. Until next time, take care. Thank you.